Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Yes, Two person it is. car. Absolutely. <laughs> Jesse and Anita. Tobias and Sarah. Yep. Prisca and Aquila. That's right. Yes. This is our Friday show. We love it because it's the end of the week. Yes, it is. And we're just kind of like coming down. End we of the a... week, but the first Friday of the month. Okay, so what, what yes. is the first Friday of the month? Well, the first Friday of the month is, uh, as as we we tell you every first Friday of the month, is this is the uh, this is the day that is dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and also Amen. the Passion, and um, our Lord. Just to remind you, our Lord appeared to uh, Saint Margaret Mary Alacoque, and he gave her twelve promises, and the promises of this month is. Uh, do, 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 what is it? It is, he, he said, I will establish peace in our homes. Wow, what That's a beautiful what, promise. Yeah, because. Who doesn't want peace in their home? Right. If we have peace in our homes, then society can be peaceful. Yeah, because whatever happens in the domestic church right. spills out over into society. Right. Right. And uh, by the way, for you men, this is something important. Every time you walk in your house, at least once a day, St. John Chrysostom says that we should be saying, May the peace of Christ be upon this house. So every guy, once a day, just once a day, when you're walking your house or in the morning or at evening before you go to bed, say this. May the peace of Christ be upon this house. That's that's a beautiful arrow prayer. And, and I when think it's done we by don't the do those house, enough. Simple. Yeah. People think, oh, I got to sit there and say all these prayers. No, if you say arrow prayers throughout the day. They ac can accumulate to one prayer. That's right. And, so, it's, and again, especially when it's yes. done by the patriarch and matriarch of the house, uh, you guys have dominion over the house. Uh, yep. To use the word that right. uh, that I don't like sometimes because uh, of that <laughs> software company. But, but, but by the way, February is, is, the, is, is, the, is what right, month? The Anita? month of the Holy Family. And uh, this is the month uh, in February. The Catholic Church celebrated the month of the holy name of um, Jesus, the holy family. That was last month. That was last month. The holy uh, a month of, of the family. This is what it is, and we in turn to the holy. We turn to the entire holy family, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and this special devotion, which uh, proposes a holy family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph as a model of true, true virtue of all Christian households. Um, and this also began in the 17th century. One of the things that Anita and me do when we end mo our prayers, like in the morning and the evening, yeah. when we pray together, we'll end, we'll, this is standard. Yeah. We've been doing it for like 25, 30 years. I learned it from Terry Barber when I was a young man. Uh, we end our prayers by saying, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love, love you. Save souls. That's just standard for the Romero household to yes. call upon the Holy Family that gravitas, that holy family to drive out the diabolical and to call God's blessings because the holy family is the image of the Trinity here on earth. So this is what yes. we say when we end our prayers. I'll say, I'll, I'll lead it, I'll say, uh, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we, we love you. Save souls. So that's something that you may want to incorporate into your prayer life in yeah. the praying to the holy family every day. Yeah, just like you said, arrow prayers are very important throughout the day. Jesus, I trust in you. So. Yeah. You know what? Um, I want to just talk about a person, not so much about her, 
but about what happens when a person lives apart from God, a person that doesn't live in sanctifying grace. And because this is a spiritual warfare show. And this is a spiritual to warfare just, topic. Yes, right. This person has been a victim. And we need to just highlight why she's a victim. Yeah, so there's an article. I'll just read some of the salient points and we'll talk about it. Yes. Because we got a great interview coming up next, by the way. Who do we got? Who we got? Tim Stephanie Gordon and Tim and Gordon. And yeah. Stephanie Gordon. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. They have a new book. Yep. But stay tuned. So everybody knows about the attorney, Michael Avenetti. He's been in prison. He got out of prison. I th he, yeah, he's, he's made a mess of his life. Michael Avenetti was cross-examining Stormy Daniels. She who was a, her attorney at the time yeah. of uh, during the Trump where she was accusing Trump. Yes. Of um, improprieties. I won't go to details. You yeah, because that's not the topic. That. Yeah, that's not the topic. So Michael Avenetti cross-examined Stormy Daniels about how she speaks to the dead and how and how watching me work was like watching the Sistine Chapel. We just want to mention a few things from the article. Then we want to comment on the spiritual warfare aspect of it. Okay. So um, when Tor Stormy Daniels, when she took the stand... Uh, to testify against her former lawyer, Michael Avenatti. So she took him to back to court, who was accused, among other things, of stealing 300000 from her. Doesn't surprise so, me. So apparently he stole money from her during the time he was actually defending her. Yeah. But in but the plot in this uh, the, the plot twist, Avenatti himself cross-examined his former client after securing permission earlier this week, uh, earlier to to represent himself. So there you go. So he's in, I think he's still in custody and he's representing himself, himself. in this lawsuit. Yeah, in this okay. lawsuit. Yeah. So uh, um, during this uh, lawsuit, Avenatti had also asked Daniels to elaborate on her interest. She's on the witness stand. She's on the witness stand and he's cross-examining her. And he, he was asking her her interest in the paranormal activity and her claim that she can talk to dead people. And he asked her, he goes, how do you speak to the dead? Avenatti asked his former client, according, this is all according to the New York Times. And uh, uh, Stormy Daniels answered, I don't know. It just, it just happens sometimes. By the way, in the Bible, that's called the sin of necromancy, communicating yes. with the dead. It's, it's not allowed. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Yep. It's a very dangerous practice. But let's just be yeah, honest. Yeah, and that's where many people, they do seances. They call seances. Oh, let's call, let's call in your grandmother, your husband, your yeah. child. No, we'll do another show. That There's is a lady no, called no, the no. Witch in New York. That's yeah. what she does. And yeah. She's very famous yeah. for uh -huh. it. Yeah, we know who she is. Yeah. But we'll do a show on her. But yes. the point that I'm making here is that he's trying to dis He's trying to humiliate her and discredit right. her in a court of law, like saying, look, at, she's a whack job mm -hmm. because she's trying to sue him for, for, the, for money the money that he stole from her. So he's trying to make her look like a like a nut on yeah. the witness stand. So that's what's going on here. Right. But what this is revealing is that she is involved in the occult. Yes. Which we'll make a right. comment on right. that later. So uh, Avenatti continued. He also grilled Daniels on other claims she made, uh, including that that a dark entity had entered her home through a, a portal a few years earlier and that she has the ability to speak with um, haunted, with a haunted doll named Susan. Now, yeah. all I could say is yeah. this. Oh. This poor woman is yeah. in a very dark place right now. She doesn't She's deserve criticism. She deserves our prayers. Yeah. She needs serious conversion. Absolutely needs our prayers. She's, she's doing some very dangerous things, and it's all coming out on the witness stand.
And we'll get to as to why she's fallen into this. I'll right, just give my Catholic right. assessment. So, um, so she's, she continues, uh, Stormy Dan continues saying, um, Susan speaks to everyone on the show. She is a character on Spooky Babes. Daniel said, referring to a project she's a part of and whose stated uh, purpose is investigating the por- paranormal activity. So she's making a show yeah, right now yeah. on the paranormal. Promo about, uh, called, uh, titled, uh, a, a character. Yeah, spooky, so that's a Spooky character. Babes. And again, that's, but she's yeah. already kind of involved in that world, as you can yes, see. Yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> so Evanetti uh, asked, or, or Stormy Daniels responded to Evanetti. Yes. She says, uh, or, or Avenetti asked her, excuse me, isn't it true that you have claimed you have the ability to speak to the doll and she speaks back to you, yes or no? So Avenetti was pressing her according to yeah. the transcripts of on the yeah. proceedings. And what did she say? She said yes. Daniel said yes. She has it even she she even has it on her Instagram. That's no, no, she, no, no, no. She she, she says she, she even has, has her, her own Instagram, Instagram. Oh, which is yes, saying I, this yes. haunted doll That's Susan right. her has her own Instagram. Instagram. Wow. That again, is, every exorcist creepy. I've talked to have said that, again, demons can use technology. technology. They have mm-hmm. the ability to manipulate technology. Right. Now, we're not mentioning this because we're criticizing her. I feel bad for her. And the yeah. next segment... We're going to hear the solution to why women fall into this problem and why women are more possessed than men are. As Father Ripperger and Kyle Clement said over the weekend at a conference, by far. And it's because they don't have protection from their husbands. Right. Well, uh, you all know she's been married three times. Yeah. She's been married three times. Yeah. So so an assessment, what would you say about Story McDaniels from a liber Christo, as we've been trained by liber Christo, Mm -hmm. from a liber Christo analysis, what would you say about her situation, why she's involved in this. Well, she's, uh, I mean, Stormy Daniels is diabolically afflicted. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. She lives a mortal, she lives in mortal sin. Check. She is involved in the occult. Check. She communicates with demons. Check. She has uh, soul ties. Let me describe what soul ties are. Yeah. And this is why, again, the church tells us, the Bible Mm -hmm. tells us we have to live clean and pure lives. Now, it doesn't mean God can't forgive you. Of course, he'll forgive. He can forgive her. In a drop of a hat, if she went to the sacrament of confession. Confession, now, that's the key. Soul yeah, times absolutely. means that anybody that you've gone to bed with, mm-hmm. if they have some type of diabolical presence, you could get their their, their spiritual junk in the trunk, so right. to speak. Right. You transfer. Can, it can right. transfer to you. Yes. And again, if that whoever that person's went to bed with. They got the junk in the trunk from them through that carnal union, and you can get afflicted. That's called soul ties. And and but don't but don't say, oh no, oh no. You know what breaks it? The sacrament of confession Perfection. immediately. Right. Done. The power of the blood of Jesus breaks this. Yeah. I don't know if she's a Catholic. We didn't investigate, yeah, but we don't what know else would this. you say about Stormy Well, Daniels? you know, she's a typical average low information American. It's sad, it's sad to say, but it's true. Yeah, it We're is. We're not criticizing it is, her. It is. It's just, an, it's just a, right. an observation. That knows little to nothing about the saving, healing, the liberty, power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, up, here comes Our Lady. Holy pause.
Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. By the way, she's a patron saint of the Diocese of Phoenix. Yes, she is. Yep. And uh, we look for her uh, her guidance and her protection, especially Amen. next week. Crusher of demons. Absolutely. Hey, do we got Tim and Stefan? Let me check with my engineer. No. <laughs> you do. Oh, we do. Awesome. Right. You know, Anita, this is like one of my favorite couples in the United States. I, I, I just love these people. Yes, I do. I we do. talk about you guys all they the time. Are oh, likewise. Nice. A, a, a prime example of a young family just following the teachings of the church. You guys are amazing. By the way, uh, that title, I was true, cracking up. With true I, definition like, of husband and wife. Look at Tim and Steph. <laughs> That's right. Thank you very much. Years ago, I read a book by Donna Steichen. It was called uh, Ungodly Rage. Uh, you probably remember that book, Tim. Uh, Ungodly I like the title. Rage. Yeah, I've heard yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. if that, well, your wife, Steph, Steph is now the new Donna Steichen <laughs> with, with this book. <laughs> Yeah, in a different way. It's separate yeah. but equal, I guess. It's That's funny right. because I was already starting to get some critiques on the title, and some some women were contacting me, and they're like, "Are you sure you discerned that title like well enough?" And I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> you know what? It's, it, your title is totally yeah. biblical, it, it, and it totally goes yeah. with the teachings of the church. It's, it sounds like those women were probably going to be convicted. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah, what I would say. Amen. I know of something. <laughs> I'm so glad Tan picked up the book because this is this is a must read, right. and I'm we're waiting for our copy. Yeah. Can we can we uh, ask them a little about a little bit about yeah. themselves? Okay, why don't you uh, tell the audience? Us, yeah, tell the audience who you guys are, who both of you are, and um, just your family life. That's just a little so, so uh, they can get to connect with you. We want them to know a little about you because it's always good to know yeah. who the authors who are. Who is Tim and yes. Steph Gordon? Yes. Okay. California refugees, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll open up to you two and your audience today. And, and so we'll say, we, uh, we are a couple, a transplanted couple from California to <laughs> Southern Mississippi. We love it here. And you know, Steph and I always, when we were dating, we were best friends first because we were both dating other people, person or persons. And so we became friends that way. And people ask us all the time for marital advice and dating advice. And I say, don't, <laughs> if you can avoid that. I mean, it's good to be friends for, you need to be best friends with your husband or wife. As long as Steph's book uh, acknowledges, you, you acknowledge it's a best friendship between uh, disparity of power. But you don't have to be friends first. We were friends first, and uh, that was great. But we we wish we would have dated one another all along. <laughs> I met Tim when I was 18 years old. And it's funny because people yeah. often ask me, especially with a book like this, they're like, well, you know, are you a cradle Catholic? Like, what is your background? And, and, and the reason I think that I was, I don't know if destined is the right word to say, but I, what I was particularly good for this, this book is that I had a very secular upbringing. You know, my mom, thank goodness, was pro-life, but she had me when she was a teenager and my parents married young and, you know, that didn't work out. And so I didn't really know anything about the faith. I didn't know anything really even about Christianity, to be quite honest with you, until I met Tim um, at 18. And so he really uh, just kickstarted my conversion. And, you know, I was always very conservative, um, even before I even understood really what politics were. I was always very pro-life and 
you know, had some conservative leanings, but I didn't know anything about Catholicism. And so I have really learned so much about our faith from Tim, really from the age of 18. And so now we've been married since 2005 and we have number seven on the way. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> the number of God, seven. Yes, seven. The yeah, it's number. funny. We made a joke yesterday that we have six girls. This will be our sixth girl. So God clearly oh. approves of our anti-feminism because he wants us to be raising lots of, lots of girls. <laughs> You got a lot of women taking care of you, that's Tim. That's right. That's, that's wonderful. The king and, of the and, house. And women seem to be more loyal than the men, yeah, by the way. Just yes. FYI. Yeah, you know, I want to mention something. She said that Tim, when she met Tim, she didn't know anything about the faith. See how important it is for a man to lead a woman? It depends oh, yeah. on who the woman is married to or falls in love with. Are they a godly man or are, are they are secular. secular humanists? Were there, which direction are they going to take the woman? See this. See how? Wow, that's just beautiful. Yeah, it, it you really are is. a ex- good example, Tim, of what it okay. is to 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 lead a woman. Wow. Hats off to you, my brother. And you and you, Steph, for following your husband because you could have said, "Wait a minute, that's that's too much Jesus for me." You know, you could just put your hands up. Right. Is that true? Exactly. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, a lot of these feminist detractors that I have, they assume that I didn't also struggle with some of these, you know, minor feminism leanings. And so when I met Tim, there was a lot of like not arguments, but there was a lot of back and forth when he would say something and I'd be like, well, what about this? And we really worked things out. And so I feel like I have a particular, I guess, inroads with some of these women because I had some of those ideas and I had to work through them. But the great thing and that really attracted me about Catholicism in particular is that when you hear the truth, you know it's the truth. Yes, when you absolutely. hear something that's truthful and somebody's just being honest with you, they're not trying to sugarcoat anything. They're just like, look, this is just the truth. Everybody recognizes that almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's really what kickstarted my conversion is Tim started saying these and I was like, all right, that's that just makes sense. But one, one or actually two caveats to that. <laughs> it's that when Steph was 18 and I was late 19 or 20, whatever it was, <laughs> I, I, I knew some Aristotelianism and a little bit of, baby baby tomism and i was not i was not strongly in the faith then i'd fallen away i'd grown up in the novus ordo church and was having serious doubts and um you know i i i think whatever we talked about when it would come up conversationally would be the moral philosophy of Mm -hmm. aristotle and thomas which i always kind of liked in a neo-stoic way Uh, maybe a way that wasn't even at the time quite Christian, but my caveat is we grew together and that, that is not antithetical to a right-minded model of leadership to to grow together. I mean, it was always, Steph was always different. She was always girly and effeminate and beautiful and wonderful (laughs) and lovely, but, but we did grow together. And that, that brings me to the second caveat, which is as long as the man is the leader and the woman is the follower, mm-hmm. you can grow together, A, and B, Absolutely. it's, a, it's a, a tight model of leadership is not always being exerted, which is one of the most widespread misunderstandings among Steph's and my feminist detractors <laughs> is they're like, oh, well, if you're, you know, if you widely, uh, upfrontly acknowledge that there's a disparity between men and women in power in the household, 
then man, he's got to be telling you, bossing you around all the time. Steph, Steph was joking after we read that criticism of her book on Amazon. Yeah, because somebody a said, like, ago. has anybody checked on the author? Is she locked in a closet somewhere? And it's like, I no. Dude, they should see her around here. I have here. more freedom than you do, Miss. Yeah, I'm not. You're not, as you know, Jesse. You're not running around the house yep. flexing all the time. That's yep. not how it works. We're very laid back. Christ. Yes, absolutely. Right. Hey, dude, I got nothing to flex no more. You're, 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 still, you're still a young man. You still got, you still got some python. Hey, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why this is so important that you wrote the book, Steph, because on the first segment, me and my wife talked about somebody that everybody's heard about in the media. And I, I feel I'm not criticizing her, but I feel compassion because she needs your book. Her name is Stormy Daniels. She's an adult film actress, and we know what she we, we know the life of lifestyle that she's led. She's I think, her like on her third, was. on her third divorce. <laughs> oh, and yeah. I just read an article that she's involved in the occult. Mm. Uh, she's involved in she has an the ability to talk to this haunted doll in her house named Susan. She speaks to the dead. She's involved in oh. paranormal activity in the house. Now I only mention that because Stormy Daniels is a classic example. Her name is actually Stephanie Clifford, but nobody knows who she is. She's a classic example of a woman who didn't have patriarchal protection. Mm -hmm. She didn't have a St. Joseph in the house. She didn't have the benefit of ask your husband because she's had many husbands and she doesn't have one now. And so Mm -hmm. uh, she's she's a classic example of what happens to a woman Mm -hmm. who, who doesn't have that patriarchal protection. Uh, spiritually, she's wounded. Psychologically, she's wounded. And probably even physically, she's wounded. So I just want to say you've done a great service to women in this country because there's a lot of Stormy Daniels out there. Yeah, that are that, looking for. That are they're looking not, for. They're looking for love in all the wrong places. Yes. That song is so on point. That's yeah. really the truth, that. what you said yeah. there, right there. And it's like, yeah. this is just the bald, this is just the bald faced truth. Women want to be protected and yes. loved and taken care of. I don't yeah. care what feminists are out there screaming and yelling in the streets. What happens is, is that they end up getting swept up in a movement that tells them, oh, you're independent. You can do whatever you want. You can live how, like whatever illicit lifestyle you want to lead. And they go and they follow that path and they're miserable. And then they find out in their sixties and seventies, like I wasted my life. What women always want. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. And in reality, they're looking for, for love. They're looking for leadership. They're looking for a husband. They're looking also for attention. Help me, help me. You know, in their in, in the, you know the deep recesses of their heart, they're so lonely, and they're looking for someone to protect them. They are. So but let's go. Right, yeah, let's, let's go to your it. book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you guys. So, how how is this book? Ask your husband. How's it different from other books that would be categorized anti-feminism? <laughs> how's your book different? You know, I think the biggest difference that I, I, I only agreed to do this book if I could kind of say the things that I wanted to say. Um, and so the, I didn't shy away from hard truths. I get into a, a lot of things that almost immediately that a lot of the feminism books I've read, and I, I, re- I did go through a lot of them to research for this book in particular, but I said things in this book that nobody wants to say. I talk about women still trying to be attractive for their husbands. I, I, I'm quoting St. Paul up and down the book. I'm not shying away from the things that he says about women. I'm talking about submissiveness, obedience, that the husband is the boss of the family and the boss of the wife. And I mean, I just nagginess, bossiness, sassiness. I go through, I touch, I think, 
every nerve nerve <laughs> I can touch, but I, I'm doing it, you know, not to yeah. make people upset, you know, making women upset. I'm doing like I, what I said earlier is that when you hear the truth, when you know somebody's lying to you or they're trying to yeah. just give you like empty platitudes, people recognize that right away. I'm, yeah. I tried to stay away from empty platitudes. I try to just go right to the bone and say, this is what is needed in authentic mm -hmm. femininity. Right, right. We're talking to Tim and Steph Gordon on their new book, Steph's new book from 10 books. It's called Ask Your Husband. This is a must book in every married couple's shelf. Not in your shelf. It, the contents need to be in your yeah, head. You need to purchase it like yesterday. Yeah. But anyway, I have to ask you a question. Is it also different in this way from Tim's book against uh, feminism? It's called The Case for Patriarchy. Yes, you know, um, when I was discerning to do the book, because a lot of our detractors say things like, well, isn't she making money? Is, aren't they against working wives? Uh, isn't she, you know, spending time? Isn't she working on the book? When we decided to do this book, we sat down for weeks and we literally went through like the moral theology to figure out, can I even do this? And if I can write a book and make, you know, a small wage from it, how can I do that within the precepts of the faith? Because I'll tell you this, if the answers were no on any of those categories, I would not have done the book. I would have just been like, no, no, thank you. Because I wasn't seeking to do the book. They actually approached me and asked me to do that. And at first I was like, I'm not a writer. I don't know what, well, should I do this? But they were like, a good yes. writer. <laughs> they were like, no, you and Steph, you hold on, like, hold on. I hear the music. Hey, don't you like our bumpers? Well, I love the it. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. We'll, we'll come on the flip side. We'll continue talking to The ultimate to role model. <laughs> a lady Guadalupe. We'll be right back. A lady of Guadalupe. Pray for us. So tenderly you hold us in your arms. Your beauty and your grace are the bright new dawn. A lady of Guadalupe. Pray for us. Jesus 911. By the way, all of us need to call on the name of Jesus. That comes from Psalm 69, verse 2. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. That's why we call the program Jesus 911, because every single baptized Catholic Christian, we need to reach out and call upon the powerful, holy name of Jesus. We've got a, an incredible couple. We just love these people. We love them. Yes, we uh, do. Tim and Stephanie Gordon, uh, we've, we've, uh, we've, we've met them a few times. Uh, we have deep admiration for them, and they've done an incredible work for the Catholic Church. Yes. Tim just came out with a book called The Case for Patriarchy. It is absolutely phenomenal. And he also has phenomenal. other books, too. Mm -hmm. And now, <laughs> his wife, Steph, has come out with she a book. She jumped in there. <laughs> yeah, to complement this. Yeah. Ask your husband. Yeah. She often joke that like the our, our seven daughters will have their feminism books out and so will our dogs and cats. They'll also have their fem <laughs> books on feminism out as well soon. <laughs> you know what? I want to I want to thank your children for allowing you to take time away from them yes. for this hour. Your Tell them thank you. Big hugs and kisses to all of them. Absolutely. <laughs> With so, their permission. So our most Catholic anti-feminist authors compromise in their stance against feminism and if so in what ways you know i also i i, I often um I draw the analogy between catholic feminism authors to conservative media when they talk about like mm. transgender athletes where they're still 
say using the preferred pronouns of the person that they're reporting on. So if it's a biological male, they'll say, oh, she, you know what I mean? So I think a lot of these, the problem with a lot of these anti-feminism Catholic authors is that they're still adopting too much of the terminology, the ideology that they're proclaiming to reject. A lot of them, you know, unfortunately are holding full-time jobs They're, you know, they're, so they're, it's, for me, it's like, I really wanted to be consistent with my ideology and I really wanted to portray that on the page, but also just in my life. And, and also, <clears throat> I mean, without naming names, basically every other Catholic or conservative anti-feminism book, uh, the marks, uh, the indicia of self-inconsistency are there in the way Steph's pointing out about transgender. Yeah, but I, like I get it, I get it. Mm -hmm. I know what you're yeah, saying. It, yeah, it's it's basically this: they want to walk a middle road between critiquing the feminists. The late great Rush Limbaugh called them the feminazis. Many so people will remember. But <laughs> yeah, the, on the one hand, they'll call they'll attack the what they call the radical feminists. But on the other hand, they affirm or more than affirm that they will at least fail to negate. They will self consciously fail to negate the possibility of a non-radical feminism. And there's really no such thing as that. You guys asked before the break what the difference between Steph's book and my book was. Hers, Ask Your Husband, is really geared toward teaching Christian wives, which is what St. Paul says women should be doing when they speak. They shouldn't be teaching men. They should be teaching. It's, it's right out of the Bible. That phrase is yep. right out of the Bible. I congratulate yep. you because you know how much courage it takes to put that on a I, That That's probably one of those uh, verses that's bracketed in the uh, yes. Novus Ordo lectionary, you know, it is, it is, yeah. which means yeah. don't don't read it. That's what it means. Lectures right. don't read it. I love Saint Paul. Saint Paul is a woman's best friend, by the way. <laughs> well, that's the whole point. I mean, that's the whole point of your book, Stevie. Is it's literally, yeah, um, beautifully written. It expresses <laughs> this is what women should be doing. The church won't teach it. It's a it's a low key apostasy, and the church won't teach what <laughs> Christian wives actually ought to be doing. My book focuses right. more right. on eliminating the possibility of any kind of feminism, uh, namely the the kind of note, noteworthy and admirable conservative Catholics who do attack feminism, they'll fall short by insinuating that there's a possibility of good feminism through first wave feminism, which they grossly mischaracterize. First wave feminism is as bad as all the rest. This leaves the possibility of such things as uh, JP2's unfortunate dalliances with a, a new Christian feminism. There is no Christian feminism. Uh, my brother Dave coined that phrase. And I think, I think he's writing a book on a different aspect <laughs> of this. So there is no good Christian feminism. Men and women are radically different. That's, that's the point. And both our books in different ways acknowledge that. The, the, yeah, the Gordon yeah. brothers and, 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 uh, and Mrs. Gordon are, are fully I, engaged in this battle. Gordon <laughs> <laughs> couples. Yes. Um, you, you know, ask your husband. That's such a bold title. Um, is it a literal admonition or just a tongue in cheek? What no, I am literally telling women like, hey, listen, uh -oh. you know, you picked this guy because we get these emails sometimes. They're like, my husband is so this, that and the other. And they, uh, my response to them is like, you picked him. You picked him. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have in Christianity, you have a great privilege and that is you get to pick your husband nobody's forcing yeah. you to do that so pick a good one Absolutely. because you're going to serve him and be obedient to this man if you're a christian for the rest of your life 
So don't come to me and say, I mean, I understand there are certain situations that arise in marriage that are beyond, you know, some wives control, but for the most part, those things are rare. Those situations are rare. For the most part, women are complaining about little incidentals. Her husband doesn't take out the garbage. He does this, he does that. It's like, listen, you picked this guy. Like, don't complain to me about him. So I'm literally trying to get wives to recognize the 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 leadership in their husbands encourage their husbands to be good leaders not by nagging but by you know gentle encouragement and to glean whatever wisdom that their husbands have right you know right. steph what you said I, I i without having read your book it's it's right in the bible what you're saying that, that what you just huh. said is in first peter chapter three verses one to seven almost word for word what you said you just said it in your own words so i could just tell that you and tim are just immersed in the teachings of Holy Mother Church, and I just want to congratulate you for that because you're you're going to do a great favor yeah, to, to so many women. people in this country. Not only Catholic. <laughs> trust me, I think Protestants are going to lap this book up just because of the title. Every people who are married are going to say, "Hey, I'm not a Catholic, but these Catholics have been around for two thousand years. Maybe there's something that I can learn from them." You're going to say this book has the possibility of repairing and healing so many marriages out there that are yeah, because you get a lot of lopsided marriages. Yeah, disordered. disordered marriages. Yeah, and I think what you guys are trying to do. the woman takes the role of the man, and the man takes the role of the woman. Yeah, I think what <laughs> you guys are trying to do is bring order, yep. Christian order, back to marriage. Because in American society, there's disorder. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to just uh, applaud you for that. Yeah. Did you guys notice, most people haven't. It's like uh, Poe's purloined letter. It's hidden on the mantle, and it's right in front of our eyes. Do you know how central to sin to the human fall feminism is it is literally of all of the subversive leftisms marxism mm -hmm. you know all the variant socialisms transgenderism homosexualism all isms all these isms, <laughs> -isms yeah. feminism is the one that characterizes the original sin it is That's what what uh what you two just said there Adam doing Eve's job, Eve doing Adam's job, all of the patristic Adam commentators. Adam standing back and letting Eve basically just do whatever she wants. It's That's the same. It. It's right. the same. Right. It's 2022. Right. It's 2022. And this led to everything else. You can't say that about transgender. In some sense, feminism is the original proto-transgender. But aside from that, there's only one sin that constitutes the original sin, and it's feminism. It is oh, the main wow. way that Satan attacks the family, even in families who don't right. get anymore. Yeah. Yep. Wow, what yeah. a revelation. No, no, you're yeah. right, Tim. That is the original sin of the human race. It, it's uh, Father Ripperger calls the, the sin of Eve, he calls it the sin of usurpation. She was mm -hmm. usurping the role of a man, mm -hmm. and he calls the sin of Adam the sin of dereliction. He was derelict in his duty to be a protector, provider, and a leader. And so you guys, uh, I'm talking to you, you guys are firing on the same cylinders uh, <laughs> with, with your book. Yeah. And I can I just say too, because yeah. well, a lot of people have write, wrote, like I've I've seen the critiques, and they say, oh, she thinks she knows everything. Oh, she's like, you know, <laughs> coming down on people. And th the the truth of the matter what is, is that jealousy. I, I know, right? <laughs> I the truth of the matter is that I went through a lot of this stuff myself, and so I really understand where some of these people are coming from. But if as a Christian, and especially as a woman, you have to be humble enough to say, maybe I'm doing some things wrong. And maybe I need to listen to a higher authority as a Christian. That's God as a woman, that's your husband. And, you know, if you're open and you're willing to, to improve and to do better in your life, then, you know, you can go, you can, you, you just do so much better. And I, and I myself went through that. I don't think that I'm like this guru of marriage. I just know that, 
you know, honestly, the number one blessing in my entire life, I'd say, always say this is my marriage. And I give credit to God for that. You know, Tim and I work really hard in our marriage, but we, it's my number one blessing. I tell people like all the time, like I come from a family, like divorce on, I'm the only marriage in my, in my, on both sides of my family. That's, that's lasted. And so I give credit to God and it's just been the greatest joy of my life. Yeah. Steph, you know, Father Ripperger says something that's going to just gonna bring uh, mu- music to your ears. Yeah. What does he say? He says, a woman sits, submits to a husband to become holy mm-hmm. and she has natural inclinations to be loved. When a man exercises that authority in a rightly ordered way, it leads to holiness. There you go. So uh, I, I, her natural some, intercl- yeah. inclinations you guys to are be talking loved. The same language. That's, and I think all women want to be loved. We know that. We first met our husband, you know, as a as a dating couple. We wanted to be loved by him because we found that we loved him. And um, and of course, there's growth. Yeah, in there's that. growth. I mean, yeah, there's growth. Yeah. What we thought what we thought was love at that time, yeah. right? <laughs> Right, so and then it grows and matures. Absolutely. And, yeah. Right, uh-huh. So, so here's what, a big question Yeah, for you, what is a Catholic teaching on widely submission? Widely submission. submission. Widely. Yeah. It's a very, this is a funny thing. A lot of these, a lot of women want to argue against womanly submission. And I tell them, you're arguing with God himself because it is all over yeah. scripture. This is not one or two passages. <laughs> Some people are saying, oh, you're cherry picking. I'm like, ladies, it's everywhere. Can I just show? <laughs> Steph have these uh, God Save the Patriarchy uh, glasses, beer glasses made. They're beautiful. But all around the circumference of this circle here are scripture passages that are reinforcing oh, wow. wifely submission. I mean, it's not just Ephesians 5. It's First Peter, Colossians, First Corinthians, Timothy, Titus. We're talking old. We're Summit. talking New Testament, church fathers, encyclicals. It's like the church has been very, very, well, at one time was very, very vocal about this. And so when women try to say, oh, I don't have to listen to St. Paul, I'm like, well, then maybe you need to reconsider whether you're a Christian or not. Amen. You need to reconsider. If, you're, if you find, ladies, if you find yourself arguing with Holy Scripture, you need to stop and take a look at yourself. Amen. By the way, can I just say this before we, we forget? <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, Tim, hold, yeah, I just hold, that, to... hold that thought, Tim. Hold the thought. You're listening okay. to Tim and yes. Steph, Jess and Anita, Jesus 911. We'll be right We're back. At a holy pause talking about with Ask Lady Your Lady Husband. Lady. Get the book. Get the book. <laughs> you won't regret it. Pray for us. Your beauty and your grace are the bright new dawn. Our Lady of Guadalupe. We got Tim and Stephanie Gordon. You know, sometimes people that practice the Catholic faith, they're considered they're stuffy, they're rigid, <laughs> they're uh, they're they're fuddy daddies. I'm telling you, this couple, I'd like to have them as my next door neighbors. They're like the they're like the coolest people to hang out with. They're down to earth, but they get it. They want to get to heaven. You know, one Absolutely. day, so do I. But yes. uh, you just talk to them, and they're just. They're, I call. I consider them joyful warriors. They're warriors for Christ, but yep. they're not. They're not. You know, they don't look like they've been eating lemons all day. You know, 
they're joyful. And I just, I just want to, I just want to compliment both of you for that because when I talk to you, I just, you bring levity to conversation. Every time Tim, I talk to you, even though we're talking about hard issues and Steph, you guys bring levity to the conversation. God bless you. What a gift you guys have. Right. And we're talking about the book that Steph wrote. It's called Ask Your Husband. Whoa. How many women <laughs> don't like that? Ask your husband. <laughs> Good job, Steph. But thank but you. I, I just I, wanted what I was oh, saying. Before oh, yeah. The break, yeah. Con- uh, that's right. We're talking about levity versus lemony Catholics, uh, <laughs> which, which was a funny distinction. But I. I wanted to say sincerely, I didn't just want to parrot it back when you introduced this, but uh, we also speak of you guys more frequently than you probably know. We, When we met Anita, mm-hmm. I met Jesse, I can't remember when, over five years ago, but mm-hmm. when I met Anita, um, I think in 2018, it was the same time that uh, Jesse met Steph. And we just speak of you guys so highly as a couple that, that's really exemplary from your generation. And, and Jesse's a dad who like kickboxes with his sons and, and enjoys his family. That, I don't know why that was so absent from your generation. Actually, I do know why that's absent from your generation. It's in here, but um, that, that's for you guys are, conversation. Yeah. 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 No, you guys are literally just one of, one of our favorite couples uh, particular. And, and when we look to you guys uh, more than you might know as an exemplary couple from, from your generation, you're a diamond in the rough among people. Uh, yeah, we're part of the Bill Clinton generation and yeah, the, the, yeah, the George Bush. Yeah, yeah, we're the end of the baby boomers, yes, actually. We are. we are the tail end <laughs> last but, year, I think. Yeah, and, and but uh, yeah, I guess, uh, guys, the Lord opened our eyes at a given point yeah, in time. Thank you. I hey, think Our Lady was uh, had watching her over watching us. over us and had her mantle of protection over us because, as just to say, just on the side note, as a dating couple, we all we started going to Mass together. And that was, I saw that was important and he knew that was important in our marriage. Although we weren't real, uh, fervent, devoted Catholics. We were just very, but we knew there was something special about going to mass on Sundays. We couldn't, we couldn't put our finger on it, but. It was something that was important that we had to do. That the grace of God. But yeah. I want to thank Despite you for that. I hope mis- we never mistakes, disappoint right. you. And and every day it's a daily decision to say, I love you, Jesse. Amen. It's a daily decision. Got a question? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So let's it's go It's funny on. when people say this to you. Um, it always assert people people say it sincerely and it's lovely. People say this to us and you're that's always the the mm-hmm. response, isn't it? Because if you're an honest person, which I know both of you to be, it's like, oh, I don't want to disappoint them. Yeah. People will say, Oh, Tim and Steph. <laughs> You guys are exemplars to to young people who are married. And I first off say, well, in in full honesty, we're not that young. <laughs> Secondly, I say we do we do try. It's our number one treasure in, in this side of the eschaton. So we don't want to disappoint you. Tim Gordon here is in his forty, and I'm I'm fast approaching that in July. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm a cradle robber. We're different decades here. You're a bunch of youngsters. Yeah. Hey, hey so uh, talk okay. to us about John Paul II. Uh, he taught about spatial submission is mutual. Tim, can you parse that out? And Stephanie, is that in your book? Can you parse that out? It is. Yeah. And also the St. John, uh, people always say, what about St. John and all that? But yes. Yeah, yeah they kind of go, kind of go hand in hand. The late 20th century um, references to JP2's so-called mutual submission and St. John. You, would you want me to handle JP2? You yeah, handle St. John. A couple of saints. Um uh, not not Steph and I, uh, hopefully eventually, but but those two, <laughs> John Paul II and St. Jonna. Um, so, well, it's really confusing, isn't it? Because both First Peter and Ephesians chapter 5 and all the other biblical verses, Timothy, Titus, 
uh, and all the rest of them make utterly clear that there is no mutuality or reciprocity between the um, order, the rank of husband and wife. It is a hierarchy. Husband can order a wife to do anything that is, quote unquote, not inconsistent with Christian piety. That's what the catechism teaches people. Wives must obey their husbands in all things not inconsistent with Christian piety. So he can't make her contracept or miss mass on Sunday, but anything else that's not gravely immoral. Now, if a wife doesn't like to be bossed around much, like Steph recurred to this principle earlier, pick a dude that's more laid back. I mean, that, that's, that's how it works. But when he says jump, you got to say how high it doesn't, you know, there are different men that are more micromanagerial and less, but JP two writes about this in a couple places, love and responsibility. And his letter to women, he, he unfortunately, I think gives, maybe it wasn't an intended or weaponized, but bad ambiguity that has misled many non left cats. I mean, many center and center, right. Uh, attempting to be faithful Catholics, especially women who think, oh, JP2 said that he wants to see reified a new Christian feminism. And he says that there's something called mutual submission. Well, I must say this. There is no expression mutual submission in Ephesians chapter five, which is bracketed. What St. Paul says is men and women must submit their, like, their lives to one another. And then under that, verse 22, 23, he goes on, he says, this is how husbands, he does not say you have to submit to your wives. What he says is you will subject your very life to them. You know, subject means to be thrown under. If there's a head on collision, one goes Mm -hmm. under, one goes over. Same thing in marriage. He says, wives must submit in all things. There's no reciprocity or mutuality about it. Go read folks. Ephesians chapter 5, 21, 22, 23, 24. Go read First Peter. I forget the exact verse. Um, three, it's chapter so many three, places. Chapter three, one to seven. Chapter three is it? Yeah, I have it on the cup here. But the point is, it's an <laughs> utter myth. It's impossible. If you mean figuratively, well, you're both submitting something to each other. A husband submits his life, which he will forfeit if they're stopped on the road by a band of robbers, and a wife obeys in all ways. Well, yes, in that figurative manner, figurative manner of speaking, absolutely then you can speak of a kind of reciprocity of subjection, but submission, meaning obedience, no. It, by definition, literally, it only goes one way. And popes can be wrong, and we know this. I mean, we've had, you know, we've been very blessed with some great popes, yes. and we've been, you know, horribly damaged by <laughs> some very bad ones. So, you know, it's this is when people bring out like JP2, and I'm like, okay, fine. I'll give you JP2. JP2 says some things about feminism, but he also contradicts himself. And I write about this in my book. He also says some very pro things that I would say, or St. Paul would say about women working. He says multiple times, I think in a few encyclicals or letters, wives should be at home. So people are often surprised by that. He says wives may work, but they must work in the vicinity of the home, which is the 2000 year old teacher. But even if we give them the, you know, the feminists, the JP2 um, issue, then we go, it's very simple. We just go back to what's the ultimate authority, scripture and God and tradition. And scripture, God and tradition are very airtight on this issue. I mean, we can have popes Mm -hmm. give opinions. We can have theologians give opinions, all this, but ultimately, and this is what I do a lot in my book is I point everybody back to the original documents, the original scripture, everything. And I say, yeah, yeah but, divine law. Yeah, 
Exactly. And a lot of people say too, they're like, oh, what about um, St. John Amola? Because they'll say, well, she worked outside the home and she's a saint. And I say, well, you're missing- Hold on. (laughs) Just a second. Yeah. You're like, you're missing a major part of the end of her life. And that is that she and her husband, and a lot of people don't know this, but this is in her husband's own biography about their marriage and life and family. He says at the beginning of their courtship, and I quote this in the book and give citations, they had agreed that after, you know, when her practice started mingling too much into her family life and taking too much of her time, she would quit working. And she did right before her life. They agreed, I think it was the fourth child that she would stop working because they obviously acknowledged at the beginning of their relationship that being a full-time doctor and a full-time mother and wife, they're they they're mutually uh, they're mutually exclusive. He noted it hurt him too emotionally, right? Yeah, he said that he wanted to, and again, this is a lot of problem we find with men in in nowadays culture is that, hey, I wanted to approach my wife about this issue. I really wanted to kind of tell her that she can't do this, but I knew it was going to hurt her feelings or she was going to get upset. So I backed off. And then it became an issue eventually where he's like, no, we really need to do this. This is taking too much of your time and you need to be focusing on the family. Wow. You just cleared up a lot of of, uh, ambiguity for a lot of people out there. That was very clear historical teaching and a great background that you just gave. Uh, we got a final question because we only, we only got a few minutes. And this is the biggest yeah, question that, that people have. Yeah. Could, can marriage be saved or is it too late? What, what do you say about that? What? I say, absolutely. I say, listen, if you guys can just humble yourselves and this is something I've, I myself have done, you know, my, 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 I've mm-hmm. tried to do my whole life, humble yourself before scripture and before the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. Christ and ladies really just get rid of your pride and look to our lady and remember that God could have picked, he picked the perfect woman and he could have picked her at any time, any place in history, but he chose her then. And she was not a boss lady. She wasn't doing like grand things according to our culture nowadays. She was at home taking care of Jesus and serving St. Joseph. So just really just hum. I would just say your marriage can do you can do great things in your marriage. Just humble yourselves, both of you, but especially women nowadays. They really need to be humbling themselves a lot more. Yep. And I think they need to be praying for their husbands a lot more. Yes. They need to be yeah. on their knees and, and right by the bed and just praying for the, 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 the conversion of their husband, wherever a state in life, as far as his, where he's at uh, spiritually, they could always get better. There could always improvement. And it's just, and that's what faith. I talk about a lot in chapter yeah. seven. I, you know, I talk about troubled marriages because a lot of people say, what if I have this, this, and that situation? Chapter seven is called the leader who won't lead. And I go into all of that, like what to do, you know, if you have a husband from that has minor to major issues, how do you handle mm-hmm. that as a Catholic wife? So you're exactly right. Yeah, that is a, yeah. such a good point. Yes. Well, gosh, it was a, it's great <laughs> having you both on our show and everybody go out there, get the book, ask your husband. It's just a wealth of information and it'll, and, and give them as, as gifts. Mother's Day's coming around. Um, give them to your sisters, even your mother, you know, who's still married, even her, she could still, uh, teach Get others. Get the book. Get the Ask book. your Absolutely. husband. Ten want to books. thank Tim and Steph for coming on with us. This was thank a you so much. We'll have to do this interview. again. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we we'll love you guys. Thank you. We'll yeah, promote we this book too. far and wide. Time just God went bless you, flu. Gordon. Get the book. Ask Good your luck husband. Next week. Ten books. You got it, brother. Thank you. Keep us in prayer. Get we the will. book. Ask your husband. Ten books. Get the book. Babe, we're out. That was we're a great out. conversation. Yeah, I love this couple.
Yes. <laughs> See you next time. Have a blessed weekend. And, and bless your beautiful family, Tim and Steph. You. you too. God bless you guys. Thank you.